the queen of the late summer garden has arrived. The dahlia is the star of the show this time of year, and we pay a visit to the largest dahlia grower in the United States, Swan Island Dahlias. We'll learn about their annual dahlia festival and how you can grow your own award-winning dahlias. Garden Time is brought to you by Capital Subaru in Salem, Oregon. Here at Capital Subaru, we are family. From you, our customers, our coworkers, and even our actual family members work here. This is my son, Casey. We're generations ahead of the competition, and we're always working to keep you and your family moving. We're here for you. We make it easy to join our Capital Subaru family. All the support you need, from sales and financing to service and parts. We'll be here for you for generations to come. And generations after that. I'm Blake. And I'm Casey. We make it easy to join our Capital Subaru family. Where it's your, your way, way on, on the, the parkway. parkway. Welcome to the Garden Time Podcast. We're based in the Pacific Northwest of the United States in a Zone 8 region. This zone deals with plants that can survive in 10 degrees Fahrenheit or warmer. I'm producer Jeff Gustin with your hosts, Judy Alaruzzo and Ryan Seeley. Welcome to the Garden Time Podcast. I'm Jeff Gustin. Ryan has the day off. Judy, I'm <laughs> here. And we're uh, here and we're talking about the queen of late summer. And I'm not just talking about Heather. Aww. I'm talking about dahlias. Though Heather is associated with Swan Island dahlias and the Gitz family. Third generation. How did this all start? Because you guys weren't dahlia growers to begin with. We weren't. My dad was 12, actually, and my grandparents were dairy farmers up in Bellingham, Washington. And, um, you know, milk and cows twice a day. And um, one day a letter came in the mail asking if the McCarter family, who were the current growers and owners of Swan Island Dahlias, were going around and visiting local dahlia farms. And they were so excited. They were coming to visit. And they asked if they could come and visit the farm. And of course, my grandparents were over the moon to have somebody come visit their small farm. And so, the big wigs were coming, had um, dinner with them, they visited the farm, and about two weeks later came a letter in the mail offering them the chance to purchase the farm. And of course, at that point, my grandpa was like, yes, we are moving, I am not milking cows anymore. And so the family of seven, five kids moved down here. And um, like I said, my dad was 12, and so the five kids all then grew up here. He was the middle kid at that point, and um, took on a new, I guess, business at that point and gave up milking cows. Big so, leap wow. though from yeah, dairy farming. Big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big change. Yeah, but maybe just a little different, a little more colorful. <laughs> Much more colorful. But your grandpa was doing it, your grandfather was doing it as a hobby, correct? He was a hobby, it was like a more of a roadside stand, I would mm. say. And I, I always say it's a, a gets tradition or trait that they don't do anything small. So it's like when you <laughs> have a passion or a love, it just seems to be that thing where you don't do one or two plants in the backyard. You always have to have like a hundred, you know? So, yeah. and I think dahlias are that way yeah, where you start sure. with just a couple and then it's like, Oh, just a few more. Oh, take out a little more grass, a little more grass. Oh, there goes the vegetables. Oh, we'll just add a few more. <laughs> That's so funny. And really, your dad and then your uncle at the time um, really kind of expanded the business once they got older? They did. There was another um, grower that went out of business south of town once the business then moved out um, and had kind of come in this direction and was here. And then they purchased, it was south of town, and they... Um, I guess purchased it and became a little bigger 
and then they decided to kind of push the business more retail than wholesale and so the business has just continued to grow um, and we have continued to push it even further retail instead of wholesale and so it has just slowly changed um, that direction. It's such a great history, and it, I love that it's a family thing because we've met you and your dad so many times when we were doing garden time every week and being out here for the festival, and it's been so much fun getting to know you and, and just being here every year. Oh, thank you. We love having you guys out here. Yeah, and the <laughs> name Swan family. Island, people are always yeah. confused. <laughs> That's true. That was the original site, right? It was Swan Island, and then just kept the name when you guys moved to Canby. Correct. Yeah. In the 1927, we believe there were warehouses out um, on Swan Island and more offices in the Selwood area. Um, you know, we don't have a ton of records, which oh. is kind of heartbreaking. Oh, I wish we yeah. don't really have any pictures or anything of the original um, business. And so we're going on 97 years as a business, oh. which is really exciting. It's just heartbreaking for me being third generation in our family. But really, 97 years later, I wish I had some original pictures. So. Yeah. Well, it's not only heartbreaking to not have that history, but you should be proud moving forward. We've seen both your kids out here working yeah. hard. It's like going, nobody gets out, nobody escapes, right? They don't escape. Yeah, my daughter's getting ready to go off to college, and um, who knows, she'll maybe be back, and my little one is running around here working. They're both here today working, so yeah. So we're here in the middle or the end of August, which would normally be your festival. For years, you did a two weekends, three days, each weekend mm -hmm. and it was Saturday, Sunday, Monday, mm -hmm. it was not a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And now you're two months. So talk about that three day festival. How did it get started and why the, why the changes? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot. I know it's, it's a, a big story. Yeah. It, you know, it's a good smile. Yeah. Uh, you know, COVID changed so much in our world in so many ways, good and bad. Um, and when COVID hit, it was a time to re-look at what we were so used to doing. And the festival for us was something we were so used to, the same, 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 same. And the one thing I knew when COVID hit was that I didn't want to give up people visiting our farm. And um, although we needed to social distance, the flowers were still going to be here. They were still blooming and I wanted people to still get outside. I still wanted people to come visit and I knew we needed it in the world and we needed some joy. We still needed to get outside and there was so much fear in doing that. And so we just looked at whether we could change the festival and not knowing how long we were going to be indoors and social distancing, we knew first of all, indoor display was gone. That was done at least temporary or furthermore, we didn't know if it was gone permanently. And so that was gone off the bat. And so, so for people that don't know, you guys had like 40,000 cut flowers mm -hmm. that you had to redo deck or redo the displays. Mm -hmm. And they were these beautiful floral arrangements. And to have people all compacted in, the, in that sh little showcase area, those it was not going to happen. It wasn't. There was too many people in too tight of rooms, and we just knew that wasn't safe. And we didn't want that to be an issue for anybody. And um, so we thought, okay, we need to relook at things. So the fields are in full bloom, usually two full months at least. And so we can expand this. We can change what we do. Um, and there were so many things that we did during the festival, during those six days, that we thought we could change and expand. 
So the first year, um, no indoor display, and something people had always enjoyed was that I had offered a floral arranging kind of culture talk. Um, and I thought, okay, one thing people had always asked and dreamed of is that I would do a hands-on floral arranging class, and I had never taken the time to do it. So we took away the indoor display, but we still allowed people to come visit with masks on and do the outdoor and do that kind of thing. We didn't have all the activities because it was so much more limiting. Um, but I offered an outdoor floral arranging class. Everybody had their own six foot table. They were distance way of far apart. They each had their own containers of flowers. And I thought, okay, this is fun. This is something completely different. We offered a few painting classes outside. We offered, so we just started thinking like, what could we do differently and spread them out over some different weekends? And it was a hit, people loved it. It was thought, fun to experiment because you never different. could before. Right. So that was really we, great. You know, because we were so crammed in those six days, yeah. I thought, okay, this went well. This mm -hmm. was a first year, a reason to do something different, and it worked well. So it was like, okay, year two, now what do we do? Do we, do we go back? We're still kind of in that pandemic. We're still social distancing somewhat. Some are comfortable, some are not. We're still wanting to be careful. We're not ready to go back indoors. And so we thought, okay, we're gonna add a little bit more. And so it just kind of has gotten us to that point where we haven't added the indoor display. Some customers are really upset that we still have not added that back. And yet we feel like we've added a lot more. We've just evolved with where we are. And people are asking, are we gonna add the indoor display back? Well, for one, we can't add it for eight weeks because- Oh, wow, no, that would be wow. It's <laughs> not be a possible. project. <laughs> so, you know, we aren't saying it, it's over. The indoor display may come back. It may, it's, it's not gone away permanently. It may make its, entrance here or there, or peek its head at us. Um, but also I had a lot of retired florists that were with us for years. And one showed up just the other day and she said, I did it 26 years. And it was heartbreaking when we stopped. And I said, ah, how do I get you back? I mean, like, I don't know how to get those those florists yeah. back right. because this is like main wedding season. Yeah, it's right. hard to find florists that yeah. will come work for us two weekends when they're in their prime season. Yeah, so, yeah. But, but you're talking about a lot of work too. I mean, you guys not oh only gosh. had the, you it had was to incredible. cut lots of blooms. You're you're rushing the day and a half before. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. There's so yeah. much that goes in just the hanging of the fabric and yeah. all the supplies oh, yeah. that are bought yeah. and all the shelves that are built because it's all taken down during the winter yeah. when those two weekends were over oh. it changes back to our storage right. room. So there's a lot of but I still there's a part of me that still misses it and people think oh they just don't want to do the work again. Well no there's there's more to it than just yeah. that. So I think out. I think yeah. there'll be a chance that it comes yeah. back. Well, and we I mean, would love to see it again cuz it was incredible to be able to be there. It was just and here everybody's woo wow. <laughs> but it's also nice to see you not exhausted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cuz you and guys I were like really cramming a lot in. Yeah. 
But so, there is so much more to right, do. Right, two wow. months. Oh, yeah. yeah. Two months. There's lots to do. And you can come because it's hard. I mean, that's a busy time for everybody's schedule. And so now we have more time to come. We can maybe come once or twice. Right. Because there's no fees. I mean, that's so lovely. No Thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful. No, no fees. That's And I yeah. hope to be able to retain that. We'll yeah. see, you know, but that that's important to us. Um, and, you know, a lot more different variety of classes. So, yes, you know, maybe much. you have a husband or wife or partner that loves the flowers. You can go take an art class or a macrame class or um, we have walnut uh, charcuterie board making or, I mean, all different. The Dahlia culture classes or dividing tubers. There's just more to do throughout the day of being here than just coming and seeing the flowers. So I think... You know, besides eating, drinking, listening to live music. I mean, you know, you can't go wrong. But you do have that. Um, we're here on a Wednesday. Um, we're here around noon. And there's food options here. There's shopping options. You guys are building it. You guys hear this, the yeah. saws in the background? Sorry. A brand new gift yeah. shop that's going to open here in a, in, a, in a short period of time. But we're talking about there's so much for people to do no matter what day. Yeah. I mean, the weekends, obviously, going to have live music and stuff like that. But you can just come out here during... Uh, a Wednesday. Yeah. Um, you guys are closed Monday and Tuesday. Closed Mondays and Tuesdays, but, except for Labor Day. We'll be open on Labor Day. Okay. But, I mean, you're talking two months of beautiful blooms. Yeah. And we're coming right into peak. We're a little late this year. Um, with the hot weather, I think it just slowed the flowers down. And now, obviously, with the little cooler weather coming on, they're going to be even better than ever. So That's excellent. And there's still a lot of shade areas, so if it is a hotter day, you can go in the shade. But bring your camera, bring your families, and, and take lots of pictures yeah. because that's the best part. Yeah, you guys, order them. Yeah, you yeah. guys have a full staff here, too, so we're noticing... Um, I'll mention Greg. Yeah, Greg is, Greg's um, wonderful. Greeted us when we came here. Um, but you have parking attendance even during the week. So yeah, when yeah. people come, you don't have to worry. It's free parking, free admission. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, people can order uh, tubers while they're here. You can get. You actually can't order while you're here. Oh, you have to. Oh, oh but oh, you know what? I do know that you get 10 percent off. We do. If okay. you order online, because you used to do that used to take orders and that was, I understand, a, a hassle as well. So. It was just hard. We had a lot of staff dedicated to that. Mm -hmm. And so to get those staff out on property more, uh -huh. we've kind of taken that away. We'll take orders by phone or by mail. We don't give the 10% because it takes more staff. Sure. Uh, and we'd rather attend to your needs, visiting, socializing, sure. keeping yeah. the festival running. Um, but you get 10% if you go online and place your order. Oh, so through the end of September, we kind of do that as a festival discount. And so. most people are used to that. I mean, you make your notes, take lots of notes. And yeah, we've got <laughs> catalog for you to make your notes you on. Go. Well, it's funny because you mentioned bring your camera, but I notice a lot of people with notepads. Yeah. Or they grab a, a catalog <laughs> right. and then they wander through and they're like circling and they're pointing. <laughs> and and um, because you have some beautiful varieties here, you guys are the largest grower in the United States we are. of dahlias. And you make your own. We do. Yeah, so I mean, you hybridize how many different, I mean, how many seedlings do you do a year? Usually about 10. 10,000. Usually 10 new varieties oh, 10 come new on the market, yeah. but we start with 10,000 new wow. seed every yeah. year. And wow. then five years later, 10 new varieties. Wow, wow. So, so every year, 10 new varieties. Every year, 10 new varieties, but 10,000 new seeds start and we whittle down, so. 
And is that an active propagation, breeding hybridization? Is that your dad and you or other it's people? It's mostly dad. Or? I get okay. involved. I usually, well, I'm out usually seeing some first years, some second years, and really looking at third, fourth, and fifth years, and then picking the final. Because oh. we're down to probably about 50, and we pick the final 10. Oh, that must be so hard. It's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Well, it's hard to name them. I mean, it's you hard. Named, they named one after Garden Time. We're very honored with yeah. that. Yes. But, um, it's blooming. It's beautiful it's right gorgeous. now. It's gorgeous. I know. Um, you have, I mean, think, I, every member of your family has their favorite and has their name associated with that. Yeah. Um, uh, gets Attention, spelled Gets, like their last name, um, is still one of my favorites. That is and beautiful. it's a beautiful one. Um, and that one there, your grandfather or your dad hybridized? I think Grandpa did yeah. that one, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. And all different styles. Um, we were talking earlier when we came out here. The, the Dahlia has, I think, more different styles of bloom than just about any others. I mean, if you buy a rose, you're going to get, you know, you can tell right away what a rose looks like. Here you have palm ponds. Um, Anemones, the uh, cactus, cactus, your decorative, your ball, you've got, yeah. yeah. And from little tiny, I mean like an inch, like a ping pong ball, to how big are the dinner plate? Yeah. 10, 12, 14 inches. Yeah, I mean that is such a wide range for one genus of flowers. I think that's what's amazing and I think that's what most people are fascinated mm -hmm. is like how does that <laughs> even relate? How are they even genetically related? And then. I always show like a Dahlia tuber, like that's because they all come from this similar mm -hmm. root. I mean, the tuber is what makes them genetically connected. Yeah, th right. it, that's incredible. And how many different varieties do you guys sell? We have about 375 is what we try and stay around every year. So okay, we do, I gotta change that. You we do that. discontinue <laughs> a few every year yeah. just so that we make room. Oh, right. um, and that's just because our shipping room is about our blocks of what we have room for in there so yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. and all different colors is there a color that isn't represented no blue no blue oh so I like roses or true blue yeah no blue mm. no well, turquoise you yeah, know. yeah. Oh, maybe in the future you never know everybody never says know. they're gonna get one someday yeah. so so when people come out here um, for the festivals mm -hmm. uh, anywhere from the beginning of August to the end of September what can they expect to see 40 acres of blooms mm -hmm. I mean and that's 40 acres of packed blooms. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> thousands and thousands of blooms. They're looking at about 500,000 plants. Wow. So, or that's what we plant is tuber-wise. So stem-wise, flower-wise, millions. Um, obviously rotating food booths. So during the week, there's not as many choices as during the weekend. We have a lot more choices. Alcohol only on the weekends. Sundays, we have a market, a Sunday market, vendor market. There's fresh cut flowers available daily, so you can purchase cut flowers. You can shop in the gift shop. Um, and the gift shop you're going to have open year-round, correct? Yeah, I gift shop's always open year-round. Yeah. Hours change during the October through July versus our um, festival, but it's more of a Monday through Friday during the off-season. Um, but yeah, it's open year-round. And this it's, new facility is going to be amazing. Can't wait to see it's that It's spectacular. Open. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so the, the, the blooms, the cut flowers, the food, um, classes? Classes. Yeah. So there's Dahlia culture classes, there's Dahlia dividing, learning how to uh, divide your tubers if you want to multiply them, um, art classes. And those classes you really should check out our events calendar because some of those need to be 
pre-registered for before you get here. I know that your Facebook page is incredible. You guys update it all the time. I know uh, your daughter was helping you with that, mm -hmm. and but um, you know there's a lot of times in the middle of a festival, Facebook and websites do not get updated because everybody's so busy, but you guys really have, uh, have done a great job. We um, try. Yeah, so um, <laughs> for the most updated information, yeah, you wanna go to their uh, Facebook page, like it, follow it, and uh, you'll get information, even in the off season. And there's wonderful culture tips. I've, I've seen some of your videos. I've yeah. helped produce mm -hmm. a few of them Thank in the you. past, but um, Heather will, if you have never grown dahlias, um, Heather will walk you through it. If you can't make it during the festival, go to their we their website, their Facebook page. You can see some of that too. Um, so uh, as far as changes going forward, I mean, you've now done this for a couple of years. Do you like the way that this is handled? I mean, I know in the very beginning it was hard to find food carts to be here every day, but I think that uh, the crowd has kind of responded and the food cart mm -hmm. vendors have also responded. So they, yeah, I so think they're happy to be here. Is this something, are you happy with this current um, I'm very happy model. with this model. Okay. Um, I think at first dad and I um, thought, oh, it sounds so much better. And then we were like, wait, what did we do? Eight, eight weeks. We thought eight weeks sounded better than two weekends. And, um, but overall, I like it. Um, I, I like the camaraderie visiting with our customers. I feel really, um, I say special because I get to visit with more of our customers. Um, so I like this model. I think we will stay with the festival. It felt like before we were open those two months for people to come and visit the fields, yet there was nothing happening. And so people would show up and they'd be like, so what do I do? And I'd be like, well, you can go look at the fields. And they'd be like, well, where do I go? What do I do? And now it's like, we're set up for it. So you're meant to be here. And um, it feels more purposeful. And um, I think that's more important. And I, I like that better, so. Well, it's so welcoming, I think, oh, too. thank you. And I think we all want to be entertained. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's so many things to entertain. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. We're going to take a break. We're going to listen to Capital Subaru. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, some of the culture things. So if you want to grow, um, you want to arrange, you want to do some of those things, um, we're going to talk about that as, as well. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Here at Capital Subaru, we are family. From you, our customers, our coworkers, and even our actual family members work here. This is my son, Casey. We're generations ahead of the competition, and we're always working to keep you and your family moving. We're here for you. We make it easy to join our Capital Subaru family. All the support you need, from sales and financing, to service and parts. We'll be here for you for generations to come. And generations after that. I'm Blake. And I'm Casey. We make it easy to join our Capital Subaru family, where it's your, your way, way on, on the parkway. parkway. The dahlias are blooming and the fields are open. Stop by Swan Island Dahlias in Canby and stroll to nearly 40 acres of blooms. From now until the end of September, you can also enjoy specialty foods, live music, take a class or visit our new larger gift shop. Check out our Sunday market, pick up some fresh cut flowers, and even order your favorites for next spring. Check out our Facebook page for all the latest updates. Visit Swan Island Dahlias in Canby, just 30 minutes south of Portland. We'll see you soon. 
At Portland Nursery, we believe that gardening is a creative endeavor that enriches our experience, enlivens the spaces around us, and provides a safe haven for the mind. Portland Nursery has everything you need to make your space feel unique, inviting, and exciting. From houseplants and hedges, to trees, tools, veggies, and herbs, our selection is always growing and changing, just like you. Come visit us today at 50th and Stark, 90th and Division. And welcome back to Garden Time. Um, we're at Swan Island Dahlias uh, here in Canby, Oregon, the largest grower in the U.S. of dahlias. And right now we're going to talk, we talked about the history, we talked about the festival. We're going to talk about how these people can be a grower of dahlias as well. So our listeners and viewers, um, what do they first get um, when they order and how do they, can they expect to, to see a dahlia tuber? So the dahlias will come in the springtime because dahlias being that they are thin-skinned, it's a little confusing because everybody thinks they should go in the ground in the fall when we do all of our bulb planting. But they go in in the spring. So I always think, you know, when you think about your mom and Mother's Day, we think about dahlia planting. So I always think, you know, think about May, Mother's, plant, uh, Mother's Day, we're going to start planting our dahlias. So um, they are, I think of potatoes is the best way to describe them. Yeah, yeah. They can be the size of a thumb, size of a fist, long skinny like a pencil. <laughs> they really look all different, but um, thin skinned is really, and fleshy white on the inside. And you're gonna lay them like they're going to bed is the best way to describe them. Lay them down like they're going to bed, four to six inches deep on their sides. So laying them horizontally, most people wanna stand them up. Oh. But when we tell you to plant them four to six inches deep, it's hard to tell them where is that from <laughs> right. the bottom or the top. So sure. if you think about laying them down to go to bed, it's easy to figure out what depth. And, and should so, you amend that soil? You know, you can really amend it as, if you're going to. A steer manure, cow manure is the best thing to add. Oh, and that's really the only thing we want you to add. A lot of compost and things can be really too rich and burn up the tubers too quickly if you don't know what you're doing. So. Um, Steer manure, cow manure mixtures are really your best bet. Um, if you feel like your ground is really lacking, a little compost is fine, but we don't want to plant it in really, really rich mushroom composted soil, then you'll just rot out the tubers. And well-drained. Well yeah, well-drained is yeah. best because really, in our climate, we can be soppy wet sure. if we're not careful in the springtime. So we really want to wait and get out there and plant them when you can Put out your vegetables when we're starting to work in our yards in the springtime. If we get one beautiful, nice day in the spring, don't rush out there to plant. We say plant when you're ready to be out there and work in it on a regular basis. Now, I've gotten in trouble because <laughs> I've planted and I shared it on the Garden Time uh, Facebook page and you sent me a note saying, no, no, way too early, way too early. And it, and it is, and this is another reason to go to their Facebook page and to uh, go to their website because across the United States you have um, ranges of when things should be planted, which is great. Um, and I love it too because when you purchase one of your tubers, the name is stamped on it. So you can confirm that you, if you're mixing colors and everything else, you can confirm what you're planting where. So it's, it's wonderful. Um, and the beauty is, you get blooms the same year. You do. That is so it, cool. Because that is great because sometimes we like wait and wait for things and it's like, mm, not these, they will be up 
Yeah. Before you know it. I think it's kind of amazing to think that these plants behind us just got planted. Because right. we dig and divide all of these plants every year. So if you come and walk our fields, what you see is what yours are going to look like the first year. Because we dig and divide this and ship out this exact same crop that we are sending to people. And I think that's probably most amazing. People mm -hmm. don't realize that they're getting exactly what they're seeing out here. So you should get exactly what you see here. These aren't plants that have been left in the ground 20 years or five years. And so they should be blooming gorgeous for you the first year. And then what do we expect? So they're gonna start with planting them around Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. And then what do we expect? The green um, foliage will come up and then do we want to fertilize? Do we want to do something else as they're growing? Biggest thing is, slug and snail bait. Mm. Slugs love those little tender shoots and so um, they're nasty little cookworts. <laughs> if you're if you're not out there being careful about them they're gonna take off those tender shoots right at the ground level or even below ground level and you will not even see them come up and you'll think my dahlias are never sprouting. Um, so be good about slug and snail bait but they should be up within three to five weeks and if they're not you should be digging down to see what's happening at that point. Did we get too much rain? Is your ground too soggy? Did they rot out? Which they're perishable, it can happen, which is why we guarantee them. Um, and you shouldn't be watering them. That's one key that's interesting for people until you see green growth in our climate. Now, if you're in a drier climate, you've got a little different growing conditions, then you're gonna be doing a little different starting instructions, which we give you helpful hints on. Um, but in our climate, we don't put irrigation out until June. So when we plant, we assume Mother Nature, clouds are gonna give us some spring rains. So you do not water when you plant, which is unusual. Yeah, we usually sure. think, wa uh, plant something, water it. Right. So when you plant, no water, initially but once you see green growth lots of water think they're going to need lots of water um, and then they're going to need to be fertilized I always tell people they tell me all the time I don't fertilize my values don't need fertilize but they're not doing what I want them to do well do you need food do you need water they do too so yes they need fertilizer they need a low nitrogen fertilizer, but they do need nitrogen. Somehow with our low nitrogen concept, people think then I won't give them any nitrogen. Well, then they won't give you a very pretty lush green plant. So we want to give them some nitrogen. We just don't want to overdo it because too much nitrogen will give you floppy stems, weak um, plants and things. So definitely want to give them some nitrogen, just not overdoing it so and that nitrogen um, if you're looking at a fertilizer bag or, or um, container is the very first number so you don't want anything that's like 20 20 20 20 you want right. to keep it down five, five yeah five, we'd, something like that. we'd so, like the first and that number. promotes that upper growth right. yeah yep yeah. we'd like that first number to be about half of the other number so a 5 10 10 but you might find like a, a 7 12 10 or a 7 10 Eight, or you know, it can. They the numbers will bounce around, and every year it seems like manufacturers adjust things a little, and that's okay. We just would like that first number to be lower than the other two. So, well, I remember one time we were out here, and you had these machines out in your field, and it was before all these beautiful flowers came, and you were cutting the foliage, and it was like, oh my gosh, what the heck are you guys doing? Some, sometimes you had a bloom, and it's yeah. like you're cutting bloom. Always a hard thing to do, you know. We do recommend topping and pinching. It's funny, we have not been able to top our fields the last two, three years um, because we've been so late. Oh, um, sure. Last year, it was that we planted about a month late because we were so wet. 
This year we planted normal, but then we got so hot so fast that they didn't have enough time to get going before and get a green enough plant to shade their roots mm. fast enough that they just kind of were slower to take off. And so we have not topped our plants with machines. Oh. Um, and so it's been this odd concept lately that we talk about it but and show it but we haven't done it lately oh. in our fields but we still recommend it in your yards in your gardens um, and really recommend when your plant is about 20 inches tall or about three leaf sets up that you go in and you pinch that first bud and it's heartbreaking to do but it really will send out all new laterals at those leaf sets below and it just makes it a much more lush rounder plant and you'll get longer laterals longer stems is what's going to give you um, and more flowers quicker than it will and some varieties are really good about naturally doing it and some just stay tree trunk like with little tiny short stalks off of them so it's so really i got nice. a question um i've been using hedge trimmers i haven't <laughs> gone in and been I haven't Pinched. been pretty about it, about mm -hmm. pinching it. I go in when they're about that 20 inches and I, I cut them about half. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, I'm Perfect. brutal, I'm brutal. Oh, his plants look like a hedge though. I mean, they look yeah. like an arborvita. They're yeah. so yeah. huge. <laughs> but it works. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be yeah. just like us with our rotary mm -hmm. blade, yeah. But also um, cutting the flowers when they're in bloom, like the fields behind us, that's an, a, another way of, of pruning and maintaining the shape so, really? so they don't get tall and floppy. Yeah, anytime you are deadheading, as long as you are not just popping the flower heads off, you're really pinching and taking off another lateral that's going to send out two more laterals at the next leaf set. So it's really beneficial. And I have to ask you a question because I don't have a lot of space in the sun, so I put my dahlias in pots. Mm -hmm. So, and they're big pots, so mm -hmm. that's probably the best idea. We recommend like a half barrel or a okay. 15 by mm -hmm. 15 is usually what we say the minimum is for a nice sized dahlia, just so that um, it gives you enough mass of dirt for the pot not to be drying out. Mm so fast because on a porch or a, a deck if you have a tiny little pot it's going to dry out and struggle to bloom that dahlia is just going to go through so much stress and then i feel like stressed out plants you deal with bug issues more rapidly you deal with no blooms and a, a really unhappy plant and so then it just seems like people get so disappointed so if you can give it the environment it needs in a container then you'll be much happier with the bloom the health of the plant and overall do much better so um and you're talking about bugs um values are actually pretty uh, except for the slugs and sometimes a little bit with spider mites, mm -hmm. they're really, there's not a lot of issues with, uh, with dahlias. They do pretty well. Spider mites seem to be probably the number one biggest challenge for most people and they thrive in the heat. So if you're not good about staying ahead of them and um, you kind of haven't been watching, sometimes they can just all of a sudden come on and then you're like, what happened to my plant? You know, and I think the biggest thing to look for is it looks like you're not watering. All of a sudden this plant is starting to look like, oh, it's drying out. A little yellowing. A little yellowing. Uh, yeah. Oh, I should like green, yeah. water it more. I should water it more. And all <laughs> they're doing is uh, giving a little extra humidity to those spider mites, which they just love in the heat. 
and you've just helped them produce a little bit more. So, yeah. So now you've gone through the season, you've enjoyed your, your dahlias, these beautiful dahlias. Um, what is the care going into winter? It's really important that you don't dig or cut your dahlias back too quickly. They really need a chance to harden off and really we would like you to wait for a killing frost before you do too much. And sometimes that doesn't come in our climate until October, mid-October, late, uh, late October, early November. We say two weeks after a killing frost or mid-November is your time to do then your digging, your cutting back. Um, in most areas in our climate, you can leave them in the ground and people do better leaving them in the ground for most part than digging and storing them. They find that the ground is a better storage area than in their garages or their barns or things where they're just not prepared to remember to check on them or if we get that freeze, they're like, oh, oh my dahlias are fine. Oh but the barn froze and I didn't yeah. think about my dahlia tubers that were in that box or so um, we've been really recommending that if you leave them in the ground once we've had a frost that you cut them back cut them back at ground level put plastic down if they're in one area it could be a tarp could be black garbage sacks could be any type of plastic throw some leaves straw hay or dirt to hold that plastic in place and the dahlias are still gonna get moisture from the ground. So they're just keeping that soggy, wet puddles of water sitting on top of the ground that has the chance of rotting them out because as we talked, they're thin skinned and that's when they have a chance of really lose them is that they just sit in puddles of water. So for the most part, most people do better with that type of storage method of leaving them in the ground over the winter than they do pulling and storing them. Um, in climates where they would freeze in the ground, they have to dig and store them. Yeah, because so, we're here yeah. in the Pacific Northwest, for those that are listening or viewing outside the United States, we're in the Pacific Nor Northwest. We have kind of a marine climate, Mediterranean mm -hmm. climate, so we get warm in the summer and we get rainy in the winter, but we don't experience those super cold temperatures that other parts of the world experience right um, so for us i've left we mine in and and they you know propagate they get more and sometimes uh they get a little tired i dig them up and spread them around the yard and then yeah. they just go wild in those other areas so when people um, divide their tubers and we've talked about this on the tv show a lot you're looking for a little tiny eye mm -hmm. because this big tuber is nothing but carbohydrates it's just just the food. Just the food. They need that eye, which is the beginning of a new plant. And it's just like a sometimes a little tiny... I say uh, a pimple. looks yeah. like a pimple. A pimple, yeah. <laughs> so it's a little different color sometimes. And so um, when people divide that, if they have one of those without an eye, it does nothing. It does nothing. And the biggest mistake, I think, for newbies is that they will have this beautiful clump of tubers they've dug up, um, and then they snap them all off. The stock it's just heartbreaking because they bring us this box and they've all been what i say snapped at the neck so if you snap the tubers off of last year's stock you actually have left all of the eyes which i say are the brains on last year's stock and you only have these bodies that are the nutrients but they won't do anything and so i think you know it can be really simple if you watch a video there's lots of videos out there or come to our festival and learn but it's really like looking bird's eye view down at this clump if my hand were kind of a clump and if you were to divide kind of in quarters like a pie I tell people look over your pie 
and divide it in half or divide it in quarters and take part of last year's stock with it, there's a really good chance that you have an eye or maybe two eyes on that section. But there won't always be an eye for every tuber. So there's usually more tubers growing than there are eyes. So you're always gonna have some junk pieces. Yeah. And then would you have to do that every year or it just depends on the growth? Like some are more aggressively growing than others? Or? We recommend dividing every two or three okay. years. You could do it every year. We do it every year, um, but it's not necessary. I think that visual of your hand and then to see the videos, I think you put those two together. I think that it's so helpful. But if you're here to take the class, yes. it's really great when you guys teach and you can actually see where see that it. eye is. Dahlias.com. So now that you, you have your summer bloomers and you have some here in front of us and these are some beautiful, uh, for those that can't see, um, we have an assortment of different colors and styles here. I noticed as you pulled one out here that it's brown at the end, probably about three to four inches of brown at the end. Mm -hmm. What is that? You know, anytime we cut dahlias fresh out of the garden or out of the fields, one of the biggest things that you can learn and will really help your dahlias as cut flowers last in a vase is that they really first initially should be treated in hot water. So you want to go out to your garden, cut your flowers, cut your dahlias, bring them in, and you're going to need to heat up some water. So it's going to be hotter than your tap water. You want it 160 to 180 degrees. Again, hotter than your tap water. Most tap waters are about 120, 125 degrees, but boiling is too hot. You will cook it. Um, and get your, uh, get your stems more cooked-like. So we don't want to boil the water. And you want to put it in a plastic or metal container. Usually we say two to three inches deep. And you're gonna put those stems right in that hot water and leave them in there for about an hour, minimum of an hour. Ideally back to room temperature is about where you'd like the water to be. Sometimes that takes longer than an hour, but a minimum of an hour. And it's going to leave that brown watermark on the end of the stem. And what that's doing is opening the drinking mechanism back up in the stem itself. Keeps the vascular system open. It does. And when dahlias are fresh cut, if you don't put them in hot water initially, they seal themselves up and they don't become free drinkers. And so what we find is that they don't take in much water and so it shortens their shelf life in, in a vase. And with hot water, that hot water has initially opened them up and they will become free drinkers much longer and last in a vase longer than they would with cold water. Um, and so that dark stem, the watermark on the stem can be cut off or left on. It's a one-time treatment and they go in tap water from there on out. So it's done its work all the way up the stem. You're just only seeing the watermark of where it touched the hot water. And I so noticed that you cut them <clears throat> very long. We do cut them oh, long. Your stems are incredibly like long. Almost two foot. Yeah, yeah. And it's we like say 20 to 24 inches usually. Why do you about cut them stems. so long? Like, you know, just naturally for us bunching them, um, for people to use them in vases, not knowing what people are going to do with stems um, in floral work. Um, but we also really are doing our plants a benefit. It's kind of back to that topping that we are really everywhere we cut, we then 
know that that plant is going to send up two more laterals and so it's giving us a lot more laterals on every plant. I know it's heartbreaking when everybody sees buds right. and they're like, oh, I want the bunch that has the most buds on it. Um, but the one thing that's different with a dahlia is if the bud is green, it will never open in your vase. Oh, so if right. you see color <clears throat> on a bud with a dahlia, you will get some bloom out of it. it may not be a full bloom, but you'll get some bloom. Well, so. I remember when you did a, we're going to talk about design, floral design a little bit. I remember you said you can always cut one short, but you can never <laughs> You never the go the reverse. You never go the other way. So yeah, so always start with the longer stems and that'll give you more to, to, yes. to play with. So, um, Oh, I had a question yeah. though. Um, so should you, for a floral work, should you take off those lateral buds? Will they just droop or will they just add a little bit more of a texture to the arrangement or it depends? You know what, I like to take them off initially and then put them back in my arrangement. Okay. Really believing that one stem will last longer than one stem feeding a whole bunch oh, sure. of stems. Mm -hmm. um, once in a while, they're perfectly in the right spot when I'm doing my floral work and I'll leave them on, but most of the time I will take them off and add them back in as texture later in my arrangement. But um, it's kind of personal preference. Sure. Some people just love right where they are and it just seems easier to leave them on. But So what tips would you give for, uh, for people that are designing a floral display? Um, one of the first things that I love, and I love to put flowers in vases, but the easiest thing I've learned is to always go put my greenery in first. So I always go glean and find a few greenery bushes around the farm, put in a few pieces of laurel hedge or eucalyptus or camellia leaves, something, make it a little full vase of greens and then add my dahlia stems in. And it doesn't nearly take as many stems of dahlias, but they'll also stand up right where I want them to instead of just flopping to the outside. And I think most people, once they learn that trick, are so much happier with their flowers, just in general. If you can learn that trick, you'll be much happier to go grab three roses out of the garden and drop them in a vase and not have them just flop to the side or fall over. And um, I also mix a lot of flowers. I, I'm more apt to go out to my yard and my perennial garden and grab all different kinds of flowers and put them together, so. So is there, I know there's like the triangle theory and the round theory, so do you like to do that specific kind of design or are you just like, I love this, I'm just going to do this? I do what I like. <laughs> to be honest, I have had, luckily, with growing up, being here on the farm, we did our festival, I learned from so many different uh, florists that um, so many of them have professional training. I didn't ever go to floral school, but I feel like I kind of got the benefit of better oh, than floral school. You may have a beautiful because style. I got all of their expertise yeah. kind of given to me twice a year and 20 of them all at once, <laughs> giving me and training me and giving me their tips. So I kind of feel like I picked up little pieces from all of them. So, so really keep practicing and keep doing yes. it because I think that's how you really learn and you, you have your own style, like yeah. you said. So. And do what you love. Yeah. yeah, I think that's good advice. I remember <laughs> uh, we came out and we did a story with you and you, um, it was almost as if we were talking about planting an, a container. You had the, the thriller, the filler, and the spiller. So you had yeah. the thriller, which is the, the signature bloom. It's, and you had used that as your first bloom, and it was the one that you really wanted to build around. Mm -hmm. And then you did the filler, which was around that, and then you use uh, the spiller, which is, uh, if you have a container, is the plant that spills over the edge. You did that as well, and you had other blooms. Things. And 
And it was beautiful because it was very easy to remember and it uh, allowed me to use a, a lot of different uh, plant material. In, and it makes so yeah. much sense. I mean, easy yeah. way to remember, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so people that are interested in getting tubers or interested about the festival, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, obviously dahlias.com is, is the website. So um, what else uh, do people need to know um, about Swan Island dahlias? Come see us. <laughs> Come enjoy the festival. I think we're kind of a hidden treasure out here, um, but know that it's free. Um, come back multiple times. I think that's what so many people find out that like it's free. I can come multiple times. Um, and the other thing a lot of people don't know is that we offer private photography sessions. So we do it in the evenings and early mornings, whether we have photography clubs or family photo sessions or senior photos. Um, you get to do things that we don't do when we're open for business. Um, just because you want that special shot somewhere in our fields that you can't get when we're open for business that we allow to happen in off hours and things. So um, there is a small fee because we have to have staff here. Um, but that's something we've started offering too since COVID. So um, I think that, you know, there are lots of things that have changed, I should say. Yeah, well, it's amazing. I mean, we were setting up to, to shoot this and people are so mesmerized with the blooms they're like walking into the chairs that we're sitting on their feet. They're just so focused on getting these pictures. It is um, incredible, the uh, display. I mean, we're just seeing a little bit of it, and I've, if you're watching this on video, I've shown you some of the, the pictures I've taken in the past. But it is incredible to be out here, and the fact you guys have opened it for two months is even is even better. So thank you very much for doing thank that. Thank you yeah. so much. And you know what? We're we have this wide range of viewers now, and so I think people are going to start making their fall vacation out here because there's this is one of the many things you could do in the area, but this is the star this time of year. But there are so many things in our area that you could do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, we live in such a amazing, beautiful place. Yeah. So really, I get spoiled. It's, yeah. So. Um, Heather, thank you so much. Thank and you. Thank you for, to your family for, for doing this and, uh, and opening these fields up for everybody every year. Um, if you would like more information, you always go to gardentime.tv, dahlias.com, or, or find uh, Swan Island Dahlias on their, on their Facebook page. Um, and we hope that you would make a trip out here. It is definitely worth it. And uh, thank you again. Thank you Thanks. so much. And happy gardening. For 75 years, Owl's Garden and Home has been a favorite destination of local gardeners. Starting in a small roadside fruit stand off of 99E in Woodburn by Al Biggie, Owl's has grown to four retail locations in the Portland metro area that also includes a huge growing operation near Hubbard. To ensure that you get the highest quality, Owl's grows over 80% of the plants they sell. This fourth generation family owned business is now one of the most recognized garden centers in the country. Stop by one of our four locations to learn why Owls is the first stop for Northwest gardeners. Here at Capital Subaru, we are family. From you, our customers, our coworkers, and even our actual family members work here. This is my son, Casey. We're generations ahead of the competition, and we're always working to keep you and your family moving. We're here for you. We make it easy to join our Capital Subaru family. All the support you need, from sales and financing to service and parts. We'll be here for you for generations to come. And generations after that. 
I'm Blake. And I'm Casey. We make it easy to join our Capital Subaru family where it's your, your way, way on, on the, the parkway. parkway. The dahlias are blooming and the fields are open. Stop by Swan Island Dahlias in Canby and stroll to nearly 40 acres of blooms. From now until the end of September, you can also enjoy specialty foods, live music, take a class, or visit our new larger gift shop. Check out our Sunday market, pick up some fresh cut flowers, and even order your favorites for next spring. Check out our Facebook page for all the latest updates. Visit Swan Island Dahlias in Canby, just 30 minutes south of Portland. We'll see you soon.